He has a nose for news and a face for radio. You're listening to Price's Highway, the podcast with your host, Steve Price. Buckle up, Spring Hill Metroplex, and enjoy the ride. We've got some big news coming out of the Spring Hill GM plant. Meet a former firefighter who started his own business and a global movement to help cancer patients. Got boots and bling? You'll want to go to this thing. Hear all about the 6th Annual Amethyst Affair. Pucker up for a Spring Hill history lesson. All about the kissing house. Plus, I punish you, the listening audience. Hear how. These stories and some other stuff right here on Price's Highway, the podcast. All right, giddy up. Let's do this thing. You're listening to Price's Highway presented by Price Sells Homes. Don't think twice. Call Carrie Price at 615-497-3317. That's 615-497-3317. Now back to the podcast. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Price's Highway. I'm your host, Steve Price. It's been a while. It's been, what, since mid-December. We took a little break. We're back. It's the first episode of the 2020 season, and we've got a big show for you. But just before we get into that, I want to talk to you about my week. It's been kind of a crazy week, and it all revolved around beer, of all things. So are you like me? Do you enjoy the craft beer? Now, I find the best craft beer in town is over at the Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby always has the best craft beer. So I went to the cashier, I got my beer, and I'm walking my car there, and I got mugged. What, you don't believe me? I've got the bruise to prove it. So anyway, that's what's been ailing me lately. I finally gave in and made an appointment with Dr. Pepper. You know, he's my physician. So a couple of days later, there I was in the patient's room sitting on that weird examining bed. You know, by the way, if any doctors are out there listening... Let's go ahead and upgrade from butcher paper, please. As if we don't feel like a slab of meat sitting there anyway. You know what? In fact, if you promoted the fact that you took away the butcher paper and you're the doctor with linens, I don't care if you take my insurance or not. I'm there. Anyway, where was I? I was sitting there on that weird bed thing. Then, oh yeah, Dr. Pepper, he walked in pouring over my chart. He said, Steve. You can't come to my office every time you get your glass kicked. Well, I couldn't keep my anger bottled up anymore, and just before I was going to tell him I knew all about the good doctor and Mr. Pibb, that's when his door flew open and I was knocked down to the floor by the mighty draft. I looked toward the dark hallway and saw a small light getting bigger and bigger, so I got up and walked towards it. Dr. Pepper tried to keep me there, but I told him, So long, bud and continued towards that light. Next thing I knew, I was back at the Hobby Lobby in their craft beer section. Well, I figured it was all just a dream. So I got my four six packs of my favorite craft beer, and this time, I took a good look at my surroundings when I went to my car. You know, just in case. Cheers, everybody. Sorry to punish you like that. Now it's time for Price's Headlines. There's been an interesting development in the Duplex Road construction project. The latest involves changing the name from Duplex to Quadplex in honor of the soon-to-be newly added lanes. City leaders feel that a new name may be the fresh start this controversial road needs when the ribbon to this epic project is finally cut. Parking at Kohl's somehow just got even more inconvenient. After rows of reserved parking for everyone from pregnant patrons, online order takers, 
electric car drivers to honorary employees leave many shoppers scrambling for a good spot. Now, there's a new row of parking spaces dedicated to shoppers who might happen to have a birthday in the current month. The rest of us will be forced to walk 3.2 miles from our unreserved spot to the doorsteps of this popular shopping strip department store. And finally, some good news. The Thompson Station Red Caboose is going back into service. According to the antique rail car, it said, quote, I've sat here for many, many years watching other trains come and go right next to me. I'm just tired of being left behind. And those were your Prices Headlines. Now for the real headlines, let's check in with Chris Yao, Managing Editor of the Advertiser News of Spring Hill and Thompson Station. Newsroom, this is Chris. Chris, Steve Price, what's going on? Hey man, uh, not much, hadn't heard from you in a minute. Yeah, we uh, kind of took a break during the Christmas holidays, and then I was going to do another show, but I came down with this really nasty cold, and I was told that nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted to hear this guy. Who wants to hear this guy? Yeah, you and everybody you and everybody else, I think, had that all at the same time. So I, I missed out on it, knock on wood, thank the good Lord. So there you go. Well, hey, there's a lot of news going on in the Spring Hill Thompson Station area. What is going on? Uh, you, like you said, there's a, there's a lot going on. Uh, this week's paper is full of great news stories. Uh, but first, I would like to uh, extend my condolences to Kevin Fisher and uh, his wife, Sarah, and their two children. Uh, Kevin is the director of uh, Spring Hill Parks and Rec, and he passed away on uh, Sunday uh, last week. So just want to extend our condolences to him and uh, his family. There's Absolutely. a yeah. There's a GoFundMe. Uh, so if you're if you're out there listening and you want to check out the GoFundMe, it's it's all over Facebook. But I uh, think you can go to the Spring Hill Parks and Rec page. I think it's on there. It's definitely on our website at advertisernews.biz. You can find his story and the link is in there as well. Right now, I think it's almost to ten thousand dollars. So it's like nine thousand nine hundred dollars right now, and it's probably by the time this airs, it'll be over ten thousand dollars. So. And we have a link in uh, our you, Facebook group as well, the Prices Highway Facebook group. Perfect. So, yeah, you, you should be able to find that pretty easy. Um, so, anyway, just want to say, you know, thanks to Kevin for all he did for the community. And, uh, you know, we're, we're keeping Sarah and the family in our thoughts and prayers. Absolutely. So, to get into the news, I know that's, that's kind of why I'm here, but I always like to, you know throw a shout out to those people who have really impacted our community and Kevin was one of those. But, uh, last probably almost probably two weeks ago now, um, Spring Hill and, um, and Kimley Horn, who is coordinating the interchange at 65 and Buckner road, they had a public meeting. So that was fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's been a unique experience trying to um, break this all down. I mean, right there with Buckner. I mean, is it Buckner Road, Buckner Lane? Which one's which? And where? You exactly. know, I always it's, get those. It's confused. a little confusing. It really is confusing. So Buckner Lane is other. the road, right? So Buckner Lane is the one that goes in front of Spring Hill High School and Spring Station Middle School. That's the one that so many of our, you know, original you know, neighborhoods, the subdivisions were built. Um, was that the bionic man? 
<laughs> my cell phone. Um, so, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, but, the bionic man, everybody. <laughs> the Buckner Lane is the one that goes in front of Spring Hill High School. And it's where all the, the original subdivisions were built. And so that's the one that is going to – it won't connect to the interstate. It will just – keep going all the way to Thompson Station Road. So it's in two phases. It's a five-lane road. There Eventually, it will be five lanes. The northern segment is going to go pretty much um, to the Wage Grove community. Um, so Spring Station and Spring Hill High School, uh, all of that land that's right in front of them, from, from the entrance to Spring Station all the way to Buckner Road, uh, will be five lanes, and it, it should be done before the interchange opens. Okay, uh, so that's kind of that's a that's a really big deal. And we're looking at what twenty twenty five for the interchange. Uh, yeah, September twenty twenty five is when it absolutely must be completed. So there's if not, lot, we lose, like I said, lose a lot of money, right? Or we lose twenty five million dollars. Yeah, of that's federal money. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's, that's half a, the project. Yeah, that that's a big chunk of change. Yeah, that's half the project. So this, and here's the thing: the interchange, though none of that, none of this matters except the interchange. The interchange is the only thing that has to be built. It doesn't have to be connected. Okay. It just has to be built. Okay. Yeah. So the good thing about that is there's nothing there. It's just open ground. So they're just going to go in and do the blast work. and be done. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No they, interruptions. They won't take really. That long. Right, so it's not like Duplex Road where there's a bunch of traffic that they've got to work around. This is just big open space. So that should be pretty easy. The only time that it'll be an issue is when they start building the, the overpass over 65. And I don't think that'll be too much of an issue. So it'll be able to work at night. Yeah. So that should be done by 2025. The northern part of Buckner Lane will be done by then. And the south part uh, that connects to Duplex Road should also be pretty close to done at that point. So you'll have a five-lane road all the way. you have three lanes on Duplex, five lanes on Buckner, all the way to the, you know, the part of Buckner Road that connects to the interstate. So uh, that goes to the Alexander property. But it should be really, you know, really cool. And I think once it's done in, you know, a few years, we're really going to see a traffic um alleviation it's really going to alleviate a bunch of traffic it's going to be different and hold on everybody because once everything gets completed we're all going to really like it except that I, one guy that you. one guy he's writing in right now he's like uh, <laughs> change yeah I, I like sitting in traffic on saturday on 31 exactly it's that guy <laughs> writes in it's every the day. one time I get to it's the one time I get to sit and reflect on my life <laughs> <laughs> which probably is sad and miserable if it's that guy I mean he could probably go and you know he, he can probably go and reflect on his life at the new five guys that's all I'm saying oh yeah five guys is open and he is welcome to uh to, to make his his mark there if that's what he wants to do I haven't been to the new five guys but I've been in the one in cool Springs and Brentwood and last time I was up in Brentwood there's like two guys working so that didn't really make any sense to me yeah it's it's like uh um you guys know math right it's <laughs> <laughs> not hard there's three guys cooking two guys at the front I don't know what to tell you it's, it's five <laughs> five always five no I don't I don't get it 
never happens. Yeah, maybe there's probably more working here in Spring Hill because well, it's pretty busy right now, and I'm excited about it. I haven't had a chance to get down there yet, but I may do that for lunch today. So hey, who knows? Of course, now with GM hiring a hundred more workers and getting a new uh, motor, you know, they maybe a thousand people there every day. Tell me about this new motor they're going to be building. Essentially, let's first say that GM hired 157 temporary workers to full time, and that is huge. Uh, that was a, a big contention in the uh, the strike, so they were able to do that. Then, uh, probably two weeks ago. GM says, hey, we're going to put another $40 million into the Spring Hill plant. We're going to let them build a 5.3 liter V8 with dynamic fuel management uh, motor, and it is going to be huge. It's what's going to go in the Silverado, the Suburban, and the GMC Sierra. So you're talking about $40 million pumped into the Spring Hill community um, with this new thing, and they're going to hire, they're going to have to hire at least 100 more workers. I'm sorry, 150 more workers. So you're, this is a huge deal for our community. And, uh, I can't, can't thank GM and Detroit, you know, Mary Barra for, you know, believing in the people of Spring Hill and, and Murray and Winston County, because if it wasn't for the, you know, the type of people that we have that want to do the work here, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't continue to put money into our community. So, you know, they're laying off people and closing properties all over the country, but Spring Hill just keeps getting more and more. And the reason is because we do it right. And we've got great leadership down here. And uh, I think it's really good for our, for, for our community. It's just going to keep getting better and better. Now, we have some guests coming on this show a little later, and they're going to be uh, promoting a big, big, big event that I know you're a part of, and they invited me to be a part of it too as an MC. So it looks like we're going to be working together. Well, here's the thing. So I'm going to be DJing the Amethyst Affair that uh, that benefits the GFWC and uh, local domestic violence uh, shelters in Williamson and Murray counties. Um, the best part about it is you're the MC, but I control the volume. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You can just cut me off. <laughs> so if I'm just going on and right. on, just cut me off. Like that's it. I can just up yeah, up. Oh, oh, something's <laughs> wrong with your microphone. Pass it off. Good night, no. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> good, good night, everyone. We'll see you later. No, that's uh so that's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll get a chance to, to work together and, and do the, the Amethyst Affair. And again, guys, if you're out there and you have not bought tickets to the Amethyst Affair, please do so. Uh it's it's a great event that there's a lot of fun. It's uh, this year's event is boots and bling, and it's going to be a lot of a lot of line dancing. And uh, but other, you know, we'll be I'll be playing some 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 dance music a little bit later in the evening after everything gets going. And uh, you guys are going to have a lot of fun. So come out and hang out with me and and Steve and the ladies of the GFWC. They're all. All right, that was Chris Yao from the Advertiser News of Spring Hill and Thompson Station, our podcast media sponsor. And speaking of sponsors. Priceless Highway is powered by in-house digital media, helping you elevate, educate, and expand your brand. Learn more at inhousedigitalmedia.com. And Priceless Highway is always presented by Price Sells Homes. Don't think twice. Call Carrie Price at 615-497-3317. Carrie Price, your Williamson County real estate expert. All right, we're going to present a brand new segment called Carrie's Calendar. And joining us now is... 
Carrie Price. Ta-da! Hey, oh. hey there, Steve. Hey. Hey, thanks for making the long trip up from the master bedroom to the studio. <laughs> it was quite the sacrifice, but worth it. Hey, this is going to be a lot of fun. We're doing something new here. And what made you think to come up with Carrie's calendar? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. Um, well, you know, number one, uh, I grew up in a very small town, Columbus, Georgia, there really wasn't ever a lot to do in Columbus, but for fun, my family and I would would drive up on the weekends to Atlanta, and that's where we would go and see a Braves game or go to the Fox Theater and see a show. So, you know, living in Thompson Station, Tennessee now, uh, so many years later, um, we're blessed to be very close to Franklin, very close to Nashville, where there's so much to do. And in the work that I do in real estate, um, many times my clients who are moving here from out of state, they ask me, all right, you know, they ask me about churches. They ask me about where to go for a good meal. They'll ask me, where can we go to hear some good music? And so I started thinking, you know, doing a segment about uh, what's coming up in the area that's really fun for individuals, um, uh, couples, and family and friends to do would be, a, you know, a big benefit. And uh, it's something I'm definitely passionate about. I, I definitely I love to get out and hear live music. And um, my, my friends and family know that about me. You'll, you'll usually see on my Instagram or Facebook uh, some concert pictures each month of, of things that I'm doing. And so I just wanted to be able to share um, some cool things coming up each month with everybody listening. All right. Well, let's check out Carrie's calendar now. Awesome. What's going on? Okay. Well, the first thing I, I want to talk about February 7th in Franklin at Puckett's, uh, the Wanna Beatles, one of my favorite Beatles tribute bands, is going to be performing uh, in the evening. It's a family show. All ages can come. Tickets are $12 a piece, and I'd highly recommend going ahead and calling Puckett's or hopping online and making a reservation now. Yeah, they sell out fast, don't they? They really do, and boy, do those guys love doing what they do. Yeah. They are so entertaining to watch and fabulous to listen to. We've seen them many, many times. And yes. we've seen them at Puckett's too. So yeah, sign up. Call now and get your tickets. Yes. Uh, and then February 8th and 9th in Nashville at the Ryman Auditorium, the Beach Boys are going to be performing two concerts, uh, two nights in a row. Tickets start at $60. So I think that will be a way to, a fun way to kind of bring that um, desire for summertime and all things summer to us in February. Go yeah. to the Beach Boys. Yeah. Plus if, you know, Valentine's Day. There's so many people out and about. If you want to celebrate a little early, oh, come yeah. on. Who, who wouldn't love to go to the Beach Boys? Absolutely. Great date night out. Absolutely. So what else is out there? Well, over at the factory in Franklin at Jameson Hall, February 7th through 23rd, so pretty much the whole month of February, you can go see a live production by Studio 10 of Steel Magnolias, one of my favorite very favorite movies. Oh, that's ought to be good. And yeah. Studio 10 is really, really good. They are. They, they're excellent. And that's a show for all ages. And I bet we're getting pretty close to Valentine's Day, too, in Carrie's calendar, aren't we? We are. And, you know, you can always do a romantic dinner out. But I tried to find a, a couple of things that you might not know about. They're things I've not done, but I would really love to do. So I wanted to just bring, bring this news to you. So in Nashville on West End at Maggiano's Little Italy on Valentine's night between 6 and 9 o'clock, you can be part of a, a murder mystery dinner uh, at Maggiano's. Uh, apparently, it's a comedy whodunit paired with a fabulous three-course Valentine's Day meal. It's $70 per person, and the goal is to try to solve the mystery before your desserts are cleared off the table. And their food is delicious. Oh, it's one of my favorite places to go. 
What else is going on in Valentine's Day? Well, Valentine's Day, the 14th and on the 15th in Columbia, Tennessee, the Nashville Tea Company is uh, presenting their first afternoon tea on Valentine's weekend. Oh, Uh, that's news to me. I didn't know there was a tea company down there. I didn't either. Apparently, they're located in the factory at Columbia. Um, They're having uh, serving a, a formal tea four times during the day each day on the 14th and 15th. The first serving is going to be at 11 and the last serving is at five o'clock. You can enjoy a romantic tea for two at their beautiful location in the factory. And this is something I'd really like to check out because I love tea rooms. So I get, I do. I've been to some really great ones. My favorite one was out in Tacoma, Washington. It's called the secret garden. Um, It's going to be the one to beat. So I definitely want to check this out. Well, we should go. Yeah, let's Let's do do it. it. Let's do it. Okay, so that's the 14th and the 15th. Anything else going on Valentine's Day weekend? Oh, yeah. So after we do tea in the afternoon in Columbia, I would really love it if you would take me uh, Saturday night, the 15th, to 3rd and Lindsley. Our home away from home, 3rd and Lindsley. It really is. We we need to get a little plaque on the back of a chair there. (laughs) We frequent it so often. All right, who's coming? Uh, That night, one of my favorite bands, The Long Players, is going to be performing the songs and sounds of the 70s. And... I mean, they are mega, mega talented musicians, and they're the type of band that for every single song that they're going to perform that night, they're going to make sure they've got the most talented guest vocalist coming in delivering that song. Uh, They're fabulous. Tickets are $20 a piece. I'd highly recommend you go ahead and and buy them now because they do sell out. Guess what? I already got us tickets. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Happy Valentine's Day to me. Thanks, Steve. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Show starts at 8 o'clock. Show starts at 8. All right. What else is going on out there? Okay. The last thing on my list for the month of February. Carrie's calendar. Yes. It's February 29th in Murfreesboro, actually the east side of Murfreesboro, headed towards Woodbury. Uh, There's a really cool place, a newer spot called Hop Springs Beer Park. Yep. It's very cool. We went this past summer, and uh, it's got a nice indoor place, kind of the open-air concept. You can can dine in, and you're covered. You can taste all of their beers. Um, They've got a real good menu of food. Um, And then they always have great bands come in on the weekends. But the one they've got on February 29th is one of my very, very favorite. Uh, It's a band called The Petty Junkies. they do a tribute to Tom Petty's music, and boy, do they do it really, really well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these guys, I mean, they're not just your strum-hum musicians at all. These guys have quite the resume. They do. Every single one of them, uh, with no exception, uh, has a full-time job uh, playing for a, a huge artist, whether it's Garth Brooks or... Uh, Brooks and Dunn. Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood. Um, and then the lead singer, Brady Seals, used to sing with the band Little Texas. Yep. Um, and so he's fantastic. He's a great front man, but this will be a very high energy show. Uh, their music will just melt your face off, as they like to say. And we've we've seen them, what, three or four times and are blown away every, every single time, time. Every time. So tickets uh, are $15 in advance, but if you'd like to be guaranteed a seat, then you want to go ahead and reserve uh, the $25 ticket so that you'll have a nice place to sit down. There's a dance floor in front of the band, and so it does get pretty uh, pretty crazy in the evenings on the dance floor, but uh, it's, it's going to be a, a wonderful show, and it's a really cool venue. It's mm-hmm. something unique. You drive out in the country on a little hilltop, and there's Hop Springs, and so something uh, unique to do. Well, there you go. There's Carrie's calendar.
All right, we're going to do something kind of fun here. Well, not kind of fun. This is going to be a lot of fun because I always thought, hey, why not have a history lesson with Prices Highway, the podcast, right? So I met Bill Benedict a couple months ago. He's the owner of the Juice Bar of uh, Spring Hill, and they have a very interesting establishment for their house. It's called the Kissing House. And so the more we talked, uh, you know, this idea came, hey, why don't you come on and we can talk about history? I mean, you're you know, the chairman of the Spring Hill Historic Commission, so, you know, you've got a lot of knowledge to bring to the table. And uh, everybody, let's welcome Bill Benedict. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. And I promise to do my best to make some of our local history as exciting as possible. You know, I know we were talking about uh, a while back, you know, just getting together, talking about history. You've got a treasure trove of photos that we were looking at and uh, just a lot of knowledge. So I think if we can, you know, spread a little bit of that on the podcast, I think people will really enjoy it. Sure thing. Yeah. So let's go ahead and start from the beginning. Bill, who are you? My name is Bill Benedict. I'm a resident of Spring Hill. I've lived here for around 15 years, uh, devoted husband, father, and history geek. Um, I'm also a local business owner and steward of the Kissing House, which is one of the uh, historically relevant properties here in Spring Hill. Let's talk about that a little bit. How how did you pick that place and tell us about the history of that place? Sure. Um, So the wife and I uh, came across the opportunity to open a health food restaurant in Spring Hill. Uh, We found that it was something that the community was really asking for. So through the process, we, we started evaluating potential locations and properties, and uh, one of the uh, requirements was a, a smaller footprint, which was actually quite hard to find in Spring Hill. Um, so by happenstance, uh, we, we kind of gave up our, our look, and uh, the Kissing House uh, was a property that I always admired from afar, right? And, uh, you know, being in the, the downtown district, it was something that I would, you know, as I cut through off a of duplex C constantly. Um, and the property actually came up for sale. So um, the historic home is about 1,600 square feet. And it's a beautiful carpenter gothic home that was built in, 18, in the 1870s. Um, but there was an expansion that was built off in the 1840s that wasn't under the historic register. So we viewed that as a, a potential opportunity to use something that's called adaptive reuse. So it's where you create a business that helps sustain the historic preservation by funding, you know, restoration efforts, etc. So um, having that opportunity with the Kissing House, it was just a concept, you know, and there's a lot of steps that we had to go through to, to really do it in a way that served the community well. And as part of that, one of the first things we did when we purchased the property was start working with the local historic commission. Um, and in, in doing so, you know, that's the reviewing that you're going to adhere to preservation standards. You know, the, the interest of that organization is preservation and education. Um, so that was really how I first kind of got introduced to that group and having a, a background in history and it being one of my you know, favorite subjects in college and just something that was you know, passed on from my grandfathers and father, it, it just kind of fit. So I, that's kind of how I got my, my start about four and a half years ago. Did you all add anything to the Kissing House when you moved in? 
So the only thing that we we added on the property was, you know, we had to add a parking and accessibility. And most of those are the exterior modifications. So, uh, and one of the biggest challenges was accessibility, right, mm-hmm. to, the, to that area uh, in the expansion. It was actually the height of the door. And when you look at owning a business, it doesn't matter if you're Walmart or you know, small business, you have to adhere to the same standards for accessibility. Um, so that, that had us create a relatively large ramp in that process. So we, we, we looked at that and wanted to preserve, you know, the existing feel with the Carpenter Gothic architecture. So we, we were able to build a larger deck. We actually had a, a master carpenter that wanted to work on the project. He came out of retirement just to, just to work on that exterior piece of the property so it was uh and i think he did a great job on it it's beautiful it really is now can you go into the history of this house sure um so well first where is this located? you know i I know where it's located but maybe some people who are listening aren't quite sure sure sure. you know it's it's definitely a hidden gem it's and one of the challenges being off of one of the major thoroughfares um so we're at 412 mclemore avenue which is about a, a half a block off of Main Street, uh, right behind the Verizon building. So, okay, we know where it is, and when was it built? You said, what, 18? 1878. Okay, and there's a history. There's a story attached to this house that I think a lot of people will really enjoy. Right, yeah, I know the the most common name for the property is the Kissing House, right? And, you know, we touched a little bit on some of the importance of the architecture, you know, being built in 1878. The Carpenter Gothic architecture was was very prevalent of the time. And not so much in the south, but more so in the north. You can actually find like villages with that type architecture uh, up, up north. Um, the original house was built by Peter Ritter. So the actual house name is Peter Ritter, or the Peter Ritter house in conception. Um, but the kissing house actually comes from a story of a local family and their daughter uh, the local family was the Odell family, and they were owners of the local market in Spring Hill, which was in the 1880s quite a bustling commerce area, especially on Main Street. I, you've seen some of the the photos that we have had to share, um, and I think that's you know interesting because it's a logical uh, stopping point between Columbia and, and Franklin. So there was you know a, lo- a lot of business in the railroad there as well. Um, and, and Sarah was quite the catch, I'm told, right? So she was being pursued by quite a few suitors of the time. Uh, one of the gentlemen who was looking to court Sarah was named Hugh Brown. Uh, he had a farm here in Spring Hill, but he was a, a Nashville businessman. Um, and uh, he approached Sarah's parents and asked, you know, uh, I'd like to take your daughter on a walk. And... They reluctantly agreed. He was a, a bit older, so there were some, some concerns there. But um, they proceeded to take said walk, um, in which Hugh Brown professed his love and intent to marry her. At the end of the walk, he, he gave her a kiss. And that was kind of how it started. Um, so some, some weeks pass by, and it comes out in the Tennessean that Hugh Brown is actually married another woman um oh and boy. yes and this uh, infuriates 
Sarah's father. He goes and gets the Murray County Sheriff, and next thing you know, they end up in court. And it's interesting because the actual uh, charge was uh, breach of promise. And Mm. she was actually successful in her pursuit, which is one of the only recorded incidents of. And uh, she and her father took the money, which was $2,600 at the time, and purchased the house. So the house that Kisses bought or the kissing house. So very interesting. Yeah, it, and it is. And it, you know, it gets uh as it's passed over time, you hear that uh you know, the person uh, Sarah was was a jaded lover and, you know, lived the rest of her life sad and lonely and you know, uh, not exactly how it went down, but uh it's definitely an, an interesting story. Well, Bill, you're going to be on the show uh, throughout the year, you're going to be a recurring guest, and uh, we're going to hear all kinds of interesting stories about Spring Hill Thompson Station and uh, the surrounding areas. And I just want to thank you for being on this episode. Oh, I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. Former firefighter Tommy Nelms owns the popular chimney sweeping company, Sweeps and Ladders. And not so long ago, he and some of his local competitors joined forces to help those battling a life-changing disease. Tommy dropped by the other day to talk all about it. Tommy Nelms, thanks for coming by Prices Highway Studio today. Well, we're glad to be here. Thanks hey, for having me. Good to have you. Uh, now, tell us a little bit about you. I know you you run sweeps and ladders, but yep. before we get into that, by the way, you're a lot cleaner than I thought you would be. When I think of a chimney sweep, I'm thinking, you know, chim, chimney, chim, chimney. Yeah. But uh, you clean up really well. Well, you know, we, we have a, uh, a guarantee that we'll keep everything clean and, and we keep ourselves clean as well. So, yes, yes, absolutely. Cool. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, you're from the area, aren't you? Yes. Born and raised. Grew up in uh, Williamson County um, in the Franklin area. And uh, my wife uh, was born in Louisiana, but moved up here when she was very, very young. And so she grew up in Franklin as well. And we're still here. We, we live in College Grove. We've lived in Franklin and Fairview. And, and now we're in, in College Grove. So we've kind of lived all over Williamson County and, and love it. We love it here. Now, you're telling me that, you know, going back to the Louisiana roots there with your, with your wife, that there is a place in, and it's not Santa Fe, kids, it's Santa Fe. Santa Fe. But now, tell us a little bit about this place, because so, apparently people need to go there. People, they like their, uh, people do food. need to go there. Yes, yeah. it's in Santa Fe. It's called Papa Boudreaux's. There was one in downtown Franklin. Mm-hmm. T- same ownership, but but food was totally different. So my wife is is Cajun. And so I think we can all trust her expertise yeah, on, on yeah. all matters of Cajun food. Uh, her grandfather actually owned a restaurant in Louisiana uh, called Stonikers. And we went to eat at Papa Boudreaux's, and she said it is authentic. And it is, it is good Cajun food. And, and the ambiance of the place is really, really neat. So if you haven't been there, go check it out. It's in Santa Fe. Tennessee. Not Santa Fe. That's right. That's right. How did, how did that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. It's always been that from the time I was a kid, Santa Fe. And even in, in school, when you hear about Santa Fe, New Mexico, I, it, growing up, I'm thinking, those people don't even know how to pronounce it right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so let's go um, back in time a little bit again sure. and talk about your days in Spring Hill, and this area before it blew up to what it is now. I mean, you know, where are we now? Forty-five thousand people living in Spring Hill, something like that. And 
back when you were growing up, you had a job where the silo that famous that's, silo that's that was exactly right knocked down used to be. Tell us about that. That's right. So there used to be an older home, uh, a historic home, right beside that silo that they moved over to Kedron Road. That house was owned by the Purdies. And Purdy, who was my first grade teacher. And I can remember as a kid going out there and helping them shear sheep. And there was nothing there. Nothing. The silo was, has always been there. That house was there. But that was just all farmland. There was nothing there. The Kroger across the street wasn't there. At that time, I don't even think that that Wendy's was there. Um, and that Wendy's has been there for a long time. Uh, and, and all along that side of the road, there was just, there was nothing there. It was all <clears throat> undeveloped. And of course, you know, years later, then Saturn came in and all that stuff. And so that end started getting developed. Home Depot came in, um, and, and those sorts of things. But from that area, from Buckner to what is now, I think Miles Johnson, there, there was nothing there. It was, it was all farmland. Now, as you're shearing sheep, were you thinking <laughs> in the back of your mind, you know, probably in about 35 36 years from now, um, I'm standing on the place where the uh, chicken salad chick is going to be. That was probably the first thing going through your mind as you're shearing the sheep. Like, man, I can't wait till that chicken salad chick is coming. Absolutely. At the time, you know, I, uh, I had a keen eye for real estate development. And I, t I told my mother at the time, I said, we should go ahead and invest in this property because I think that the return on this is going to be monstrous. And uh, unfortunately, she just did not heed my advice. And and, uh, you know, she said the house would be too hard to move. And I said, there's company, you know, a great spot would be over off of Keedron Road. I'm kidding. No, I wish I had. I wish I had. But, you know, like we said, those those farmers and, and folks that, that grew up there worked really, really hard. And, and uh, you know, I imagine that they would have never dreamed that there would be a Lowe's and a discount tire and Andes and all of that stuff right there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to see how much that's grown and just, you know. My kids would tell you that I'm old, but I don't feel that old. And, uh, you know, how much it's changed in such a short period of time. Well, speaking of growing, your company is growing a little bit, isn't it? We are, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. Yeah. So tell us about your company, Sweeps and Ladders. So Sweeps and Ladders. So I spent um, 11 years as a career firefighter for the city of Franklin. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, there you go. And so uh, if you work for the fire department, you work 24 on 48 off. Yeah. And every firefighter does something on their days off, whether that's cut grass, uh, tile, hardwood floor. They, they do something um, because most of us can't sit still for very long, and we just don't want to sit around the house all day. So we've got to constantly be moving. And so I've done a lot of different things, handyman work and, and grass cutting, lawn care, landscaping, and those sorts of things. But I wanted to do something where I kind of parlay my fire department experience into something on my days off. And, and really, my wife didn't want me to sit around and not do anything at home. So I thought, well, what could I do where I could take these experiences that I've had from the fire service and then, you know, turn that into a second career? So I just started looking around. And ironically enough, I was at my mom's house in, in, in Franklin. And her neighbor was having her chimney swept. And I'm like, there's still people that there's chimney sweeps out right. there. Yeah. So I started doing a little research and then, you know, found out that there was a, there was an organization called the CSIA, which is the Chimney Safety Institute of America. And they certified chimney sweeps. I'm like, man, okay, so this is legit. Yeah. And um, so I started looking into it and I told my wife, I said, what about chimney sweeping? She's like, what? I thought, well, let's just try it, you know? And so I went and started learning a little bit more about the trade and studied and got certified. And, and then, so we started the business in 2010 
and uh, sweeps and ladders. My, I, I tell people all the time, my, my wife is the brains of this operation. I'm the one that's just dumb enough to try. And uh, so <laughs> she's the one that kind of takes uh, uh, ideas yep. and, and executes them. Okay. And so she's the one that came up with our name, Sweeps and Ladders. And um, uh, so we started the, the business and we started, uh, you know, really started gaining a lot of traction. I was still at the fire department, so I'd work 24 hours and then I would I would do the chimney work. And then if I needed help, I would, I would have guys that I worked with at the fire department come. And then um, around 2012, we were really, really busy. And so our shift change at the fire department was at 6 a.m. And so I would leave our house because they really, they want you there at 530. And everybody kind of sits around and jokes around, drinks coffee. So I would leave the house at probably 445. And, and, of course, my kids, I have two boys, and, and they were still asleep. So I'd be gone and, uh, and then go do my shift at the fire department and wake up next morning. And then I would do chimney work. And we got so busy that some nights I, I would not get home until after my kids were asleep. And then, boom, back up the next morning, I'm, I'm gone. So my kids never saw me. And I, I grew up um, in a uh, – uh, my parents were divorced, and I never really had a relationship with my dad. And so I always, uh, you know, I always wanted to be a good husband and a good father. And we were – one of the few times I was, I was sitting uh, down for dinner, we're sitting there with our kids, and my oldest son, I think at the time, may have been four or five. And he asked me, he said, Daddy, are you working at the fire hall tomorrow? I said, yeah, buddy, I sure am. And, uh, and he goes, can I come visit you where you live? Ooh. And, um, that was, that was the straw that broke the camel's bag for me. Um, and I told my wife that night, I said, something's got to change. Um, I am not an active participant. I'm providing for our family, but I'm not, I'm not doing the things that matter the most. And that's okay. just being present. Yeah. And so we made the decision then, well, we either need to scale the business back or, uh, or leave the fire department. And, um, you know, I saw all these guys who were, who were guys and gals who were starting to retire from the fire department. They all had just busted backs and knees and, and shoulders. And, and they gave so much of their life to that place and to the people and, and at the end of it, you know, they had to go back to work just because, you know, they either retired young or, you know, the pensions weren't good enough to, to kind of provide them a lifestyle where they could just not do anything else. And so my wife and I looked at it and, and we just decided, hey, we're going to jump in with both feet and just see what happens. So I left the fire department in 2013 and, and we've never looked back. And thankfully, we, we have... My wife is a genius, and I work with a whole lot of people that are, that are very, very talented, and they're very, very smart. And so this has truly been, um, it's been a team effort. And, and not long ago, somebody gave me a, a very good compliment that I hope that I never forget. And what they told me was, they said, you know, you hear family-owned businesses, and they said, but your business, it's a family and um, the distinction between we're not just owned by my wife and I, but our, our entire group. You know, we, we've got guys who have worked with us for five, six years that started with us when they were in high school and they co-opted. And, and they trusted us. And, and now, you know, these guys are doing big things. And it's just a, it's a pleasure and an honor to get to serve the people of Williamson County and to kind of continue in that fire prevention aspect that I did with the fire department. So you get that satisfaction of, of, of helping people and keeping them safe at the fire department. It was all about fire prevention starts with education. And, and that's the, the mindset that we've taken. And um, thankfully, I get to work with a lot of a lot of really, really good people. And I get to work with my wife every day. Um, and, and we've been able to do a lot of really cool things. And we're growing thanks to the people of, of this county and, and surrounding counties. And it's, it's been a blessing. It's been a lot of fun. 
And you provide a service that I don't think a lot of people know they really need. Sure. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. So we, we kind of do what we tell people is if, if it burns inside your home and it needs to go outside, then we're the people that you would call. Um, you, you know, because a, a lot of times people just assume that when they light a fire in their house and everybody is scared of fire. Um, but, but we take it for granted that you light a fire in your house and, and it's, the fire's going to stay where it's supposed to and everything that's bad is going to go where it's supposed to. Um, well, that doesn't happen sometimes. And so with it needs routine maintenance. Your, your chimney needs routine maintenance. That's whether if you have gas logs, they need routine maintenance. And then also your water heater and your furnace, those things vent to the outside. They too need to be serviced annually. And I'm not talking about the, the nuts and bolts of, of the furnace or the water heater, but I'm talking about specifically the venting system. Um, you don't want anything to, to obstruct that, um, the, those byproducts of combustion as they vent outside. And, and likewise with, with a fireplace, you know, you want to make sure that I, I love wood burning fires. I can remember in Williams County when we had a huge ice storm in like 94, I think, and no one had power for you know, a week or two weeks. And I can remember all of us just huddling around that fireplace and we were warm. And I remember those stories from when I was a kid. And so that's the the things that we want to do for our customers. One of the things we say is we provide warmth, comfort, and peace of mind. And so we want people to sit around the fireplace and, and be warm and, and be comforted and have the peace of mind of knowing that it's that it's done properly and it's where it's it's going to where it's supposed to go. And so have your chimney, your gas logs Whatever appliance you have, have those inspected on an annual basis. Make sure that they're working right. It's just not worth taking the chance and just the assumption that things are supposed to work right. You know, make sure you have working smoke detectors. If you have gas appliances, make sure you have working carbon monoxide detectors. Um, a lot of fire departments give those things away for free. Um, you know, we don't sell smoke detectors or carbon monoxide detectors, but you know, Spring Hill fire department may, they may just give them away. I know Franklin fire does. Um, they provide those for free. Uh, and so those are the things that we encourage people to do. And then just learning more about, even if you have your system inspected on an annual basis, learn about it, know how it operates, know what the signs are and say, that's not a good sign. I need to shut this thing down and, and call sweeps and ladders and come out and check it out. Um, and make sure that the people that are coming into your home, the main licensing uh, organization in, in our industry is the Chimney Safety Institute of America. So we certify chimney sweeps. They have to go through training. They have to take tests, and then they become certified. Make sure that whoever is your, at your house is a CSI certified technician. Um, education is the most important thing, and that's the first step in prevention is educating yourself. And, and we educate ourselves on how the systems work and hazards that, that we identify, and we know that those are known issues. And then also we want to take our time and educate the homeowner of, hey, here's some red flags that you may see because you're here all the time. And if you see these things, stop using it. Let us come out here. We'll come out and check it out real quick, and we'll tell you here's how you fix it or, you know what, here it's, it's not a big deal. Um, so those are the things that we try to do, and, and we, we enjoy doing it. We love what we do. Great. Now, there's something that um, caught my eye that you all do. It's called Sweep Away Cancer. That's right. Tell us about that. So uh, Sweep Away Cancer, yes. We, we started a nonprofit. Um, and, and this all started back when there was, I was at a convention and there was a keynote speaker and, and they said that the data shows that for, for service scheduled appointments in the home, 
that 80% or more of those scheduled appointments are made by women. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, well, what can we do for, for women that says thank you? You know, thanks for taking the time to call. I know in my house, my wife does all of that stuff. Um, you know, uh, just because she just stays on top of it. And, and then I remembered at the fire department, we did a thing tough enough to wear pink. And we would, we would raise money, and all the firefighters would wear pink shirts, or it would be a blue shirt with pink lettering, and we would raise funds for, for breast cancer. And I thought, man, why can't we do that here as an industry? And, and I had a, a guy once told me, they said, man, if you have a good idea, then share it. And I knew that this was going to be bigger than, than just sweeps and ladders or, or, or bigger than me. And we've all heard the quote, there's, there's no amount of good that you can do when you don't care who gets the credit for it, right? And, um, and I thought, man, what can I do? So I actually reached out to one of our competitors in our market. And I said, man, I got this idea. Um, it's bigger than us. And I think it would be cool if, if two competitive companies joined up and we started, you know what, man, we'll, we'll spend a season. We'll raise some money for, for breast cancer and, um, and, and give that money back. And it's also a personal issue for me because my mother-in-law passed away from breast cancer and my mother-in-law never got to see what an awesome mom my wife is. She never got to meet my kids, my boys. And, you know, and so for me, that's the driving force for me. It's, it's, it's everybody I know for the most part has been affected one way or the other, you know, with, with cancer. And, uh, um, for me, it's, it's, it's Linda Stoniker, you know, and, and my mother-in-law and just keeping her in, in what she went through. And so that was the driving force for us. So what we ended up doing was, and so we, we, Mark and I talked and we're like, man, yeah, you know what? Hey, this is a good idea. Um, let's do this nationally. How do we do that? And so we got with one of uh, uh, the tr- distributors in our industry and the manufacturers, National Chimney Supply, and, and their, their owner. And he's like, man, this is a great idea. Let's, let's do this, man. He's like, we'll, we'll, we'll help do this. And so then more and more people in our industry found out about it. And so the first year we raised money and we made a, a donation to the National Breast Cancer Foundation. And then we thought, okay, this thing's taken off. We probably need to kind of get organized at some point. And one of the things we said was, we want everything to be volunteer. Uh, we want to make sure that the majority of the money that we raise goes goes back, that it's not being tied up in administrative costs, paying staff or, uh, you know, silly things. Sure. You know, like a yep. lot of nonprofits that you see, when you actually look at it, you know, not a lot of your dollars are going back. Um, so 96% of the money that we raise goes directly back to, to the people that need it. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. So the other 4%, you know, we've got, we, we've got to pay a CPA. We've got to file certain things, and, and everything else is volunteer. Now we have a board of directors. But the cool thing about this is, man, is that it's taken off, right? And so we've got uh, – we do a lot of different things to raise money. We do – we sell T-shirts, um, uh, sweepawaycancer.com is our website. We have a store. You can buy t-shirts. Um, we have a lot of people inside of our industry that donate a percentage of their sweeps per month, um, to, to us. And a lot of people just give flat rate donations. And, and so what we figured out was the first year, like I said, it went to breast cancer and then the whole, our whole industry was like, man, we want to get involved with that. And as far as I know, there's not another trade industry where everybody has come together and said, we're going to collectively put our, our monies together and, and our efforts together 
and we're going to create a trade organization and we are going to raise money. And instead of, we, we kind of changed our focus a little bit. So instead of giving it to, to research and things like that, now we give it directly back to the people that need it. So on our website, you can go and you can apply for aid. And we pay medical bills. We pay mortgages. We pay water bills. Um, we will pay for transportation to and from treatments because we wanted to get to the point where we made a difference in the person that's dealing with cancer in their daily lives. How can we actually make a huge impact on their life right now, today? And that's paying a mortgage. That's that's paying medical bills. That's them calling and saying, man, we don't know how we're going to make this happen. You know, my, my husband or my wife can't work um, because she's sick from chemo. And we step in and we say, no big deal. We're going to make sure that that your focus is on fighting this nasty disease and we're going to pay for those bills for you. And so thankfully we've been able to do that. And, and the chimney and venting industry as a whole has, has completely rallied around this and, and they have all just poured everything they've got into it. So we have a national convention every year and, uh, we, we give away an award every single year for the person that's just done the most. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the person that gets the award is going to be a person that raises the most money. It's going to be the person that just does the most to kind of push our cause further along. Um, and we've got, uh, uh, restaurants all over the country that have said, Hey, we're going to have a sweep away cancer night, man. And we're going to donate proceeds. Microbreweries are doing that. Um, and the coolest thing is, is that I get emails from other chimney sweeps. I've gotten chim- emails from chimney sweeps in Sweden, from England, from Germany, from all the dis- different places and say, Hey, we don't have anything like that over here. We want to get involved. What do we need to do? I had a chimney sweep in South Africa. I had a chimney sweep in Japan that has found out about us. And so we're like, hey, man, we'd love to have your help. You know, That's we, incredible. Yeah. And so the cool thing is, is that the more people that find out about what we do, and, and we've told our customers about it, and our customers that have been dealing with issues have applied for, for financial aid. And when they apply, it goes to the review board, and, and I get those emails. And I'm like, yeah, this is our customer. I know that person, man. Our guys told them about it. And, uh, and it's been so fun. Just being a part of that. Of course, it sucks what people are going through. But I know this. I know that when my mother-in-law was battling cancer, that if you wanted to, an outside organization wanted to come in and help them the most, and in that moment when they were doing that, that it's it's helped them pay their bills in that moment and just kind of relieve a little bit of that pressure. And that's what we've decided to do. And the more people that find out about us, the more people are applying for financial aid and the more help we need, you know, and, and we're not one of these ones. that's just like, Hey, um, keep giving us your money, keep giving us your money. But we, we want people to know that we're here. And if people know that we're here, um, the money's going to come and, and we'll be able to help more people and more people are going to be able to know that we're here and so that we can help them financially. Um, so like I said, we do t-shirts, we do donations. And then in the, uh, usually every June we do a rally, uh, in, uh, in the, uh, Blue Ridge mountains. And we, we, whether you have a motorcycle, a car, whatever you want to do, uh, uh, we have a big event up there. Um, and, and we have food and, and we hang out and then we do a huge rally. I think the first year, I think we had 12 to 15 people. And then this will be the third year we did it. Last year we had 65 that rode and, and went, like I said, cars, motorcycles. I like to ride motorcycles. And so we, uh, we ride motorcycles. It's beautiful scenery and, and we do it. 
just just to raise money. And every year we 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 com, uh, commemorate the ride for for someone. And so the first year it was a guy named Jim Robinson. Jim was a uh, a chimney sweep and just a dear friend and a kind and sweet man. He passed away. And one of the things that, that he used to always love to drink milk and whether we were at a training event or something like that at, at dinner, he would always, always have milk. And so the cool thing was the first year we did it, his whole family came up and his grandson uh, came up and gave a milk toast to Jim. And so that, that's been um, a tradition. That, that we've carried on with Jim last year. It was, it was after a lady named Elaine Edwards. Elaine Edwards uh, helped start the national chimney sweep guild. Um, and so this year we haven't announced who that person is going to be. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and all that money goes back to the people that need it. Well, you guys are doing a wonderful job. People listening. Now, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> help man. We need your help. Just tell, uh, we're not ones to ask for money. Just t- tell everybody, you know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. What would it be like if other trade industries jumped into? Oh, it would be incredible. I mean, think about the amount of good that you could do. I mean, globally, our, our trade is, is, is still, it's relatively small. You take, even in the States, if you take uh, uh, HVAC or plumbers or electricians, if, if their industry followed our lead and they said, hey, as a whole, our entire industry is going to get together and we're going to start raising funds and we're going to start putting money back in the hands of people that need it and help them pay their bills on a national basis. It could be huge. And so here's what I would say to those guys. If you're listening, follow suit. Why are you not doing it? Why are you not joining with your competitors hand in hand and putting business aside and saying, this is, this is bigger than, than me competing with the guy down the road or, or, any of those other things, whether it's personal differences or you don't, I don't like the way they do business. I don't like the way they do business. Who cares? People need your help. And so what I would say to those guys is, is, and, and, and gals is, is join together and say, you know what? We're going to put all that stuff aside and we as an industry are going to get together and we're going to do what the chimney sweeps are doing because, Hey, look, they're, they're smaller than we are. Look at what an impact that they're making. So HVAC guys, electricians, all the other trades, home builders, what, whatever it is that you do, um, in, in most industries have some sort of an organization that, you know, or an association or something, get on board. Let's do it. Let's, let's all do this together. Let's set the example for the trades and, and, and let's help all these people. And if other trades would get involved and they would do that and I'm challenged them to do so, you know, uh, man, we could help a lot of people. You know, a lot of people. And here's the thing. A lot of our recipients, um, uh, our financial aid recipients, have been inside of our industry, but the majority of them have been outside. Uh, and so if you want to take care of your own and HVAC and that sort of thing, man, you guys do it. Follow our lead. You know what? And y'all may do it better. And that's okay as long as people are getting helped. But I would encourage you and I would challenge you to do it. Now, Tommy, it must be something else whenever you receive a thank you note. I'm sure you get thank you notes from people, don't you? We do. Yes. Yes. And it's, uh, it makes everything worthwhile. I mean, it's, it's, uh, they'll never know how, I mean, the, the, the true way that it feels to, to all of us. And, but man, you get a thank you note and, and, and it's just, it's from the heart and it's so sincere. And we got one the other day and, and, uh, the husband was talking about just, 
what a relief it was. And the look of, of just relief on his wife's face when she knew that the mortgage was going to be taken care of. And there were some other bills that, that they knew that she, that they just didn't need to worry about yeah. because we were going to take care of those four. And then where she could just relax and just focus on either recovering from chemotherapy or just getting mentally prepared for the next round and just focusing. If we can provide just that little bit of relief and just knowing that, you know, man, all the people that, that have, that have helped us and that are helping us that, that, Man, that, that that it's working, and that people are 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 thankful, and we're impacting their daily life. And then, man, those thank you notes are just. I uh, I remember I was sitting there in the kitchen. My wife said, "Hey, you know this this came for you." And I opened it up, and I'm reading it, and you know it's an emotional thing. Yeah. It's um, it uh, it man, when you do something that that helps people, um. I don't know, man. I, that's just some of the greatest. Those are the moments that I'll treasure the most in my life. Is is when you, when you get to just help people. It just feels good, you know, and it just feels like you're making a difference in in someone's life, and you're making a difference, and you're impacting their 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 happiness. And and if you can be a part of that, man, that's an awesome thing to do. Whether you get involved with us or not, go find whatever that is. You know, where you can go be a part of something where you get to help people. Because if you want to find validation, if you want to find uh, uh, something that's going to just lift your spirits, I know it's cliche, but it's true. It's helping somebody else. It's it's not worrying about who's going to get the credit, but it's just making a difference in somebody's life and making their day a little bit better. And uh, we'd love to have you involved with Sweep Away Cancer and because and we're doing that. But there's other people that are doing that, too. And uh, uh, we're thankful to just be a part of that. Tell us again how to find that information. Yeah. So we, we the, the main way is through our website, and that's sweepawaycancer.com. Go to our website, check it out. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Uh, we have uh, a Facebook page, we have Instagram, Twitter, all of those things. Follow us there, uh, and you'll see a lot of information right there. The information about the ride, if you're in the rally, if you're interested in doing that, well, that'll be coming out pretty soon um, as far as dates and times and pricing and all of that stuff. And, and we have a, a special T-shirt that's made for that. Um, so go check us out there. And that's where you can find out most of our information. And if you want to help, man, let us know. Shoot us an email. Um, or if you have ideas that, that we could be doing differently, you know, we, we, we're not one that, that, you know, thinks that we have it all figured out. So if you have a better idea for us, or if you think, Hey, you know, here's another way that you guys could, could kind of, uh, you know, generate some awareness or generate, um, uh, you know, some more funds to help more people. Let us know. We're open to any idea. Well, that's great. Tommy, thanks so much for coming by and telling us about that and yeah, your business. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. This is really cool. I'm excited. I like listening to it, and, and hopefully everybody else uh, is too, and, and they come to Price's Highway for all of their information and, uh, and, and everything they need to know for, for the community here. Well, if that conversation doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. If you want to get involved in Sweep Away Cancer, you certainly can and are encouraged to. The link is in the show notes. The GFWC Spring Station Women's Club does a ton for the community. Now they're throwing a huge party for an important cause. This event promises lots of boots, bling, art, and auctions. Vicki Bechet and Melanie Rouse, two club members, came by to talk about their organization and the 6th annual Amethyst Affair. Take a listen. Well, Vicki and Melanie, thank you so much for joining us here at Price Highway Studio. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah. 
All right. So, uh, Vicki, you founded the uh, Spring Stations Women's Club, correct? Correct. All right. And now you're a member, and Melanie, you're a member as well. I am. You were telling me before I hit the record button, what all this, well, let's go to the national or the international level of the uh, General Federation of Women's Clubs. Now, you're telling me all kinds of interesting, this is like the biggest group I've never heard of. So tell me a little bit about what they do, and then let's go down to uh, the uh, kind of the chapter level of Spring Hill and Tom Station, or Spring Station is what it's called here. Right. I'd be happy to tell you. Uh, the history is actually pretty amazing. Um, there was a lady who was a journalist in New York City who wanted to hear uh, Charles Dickens talk to the New York City Press Club, but because she was a woman, she was not allowed to attend. And so she decided that, to heck with that. She figured out a way to start a women's club in New York City called the Cirrhosis Club that was um, geared toward, you know, helping women learn more, you know, get, you know, do things in the community. And somehow between when the time that she started her, the Cirrhosis Club in 1890, she contacted women's clubs that were already in existence throughout the country at that time to say, come to New York. Let's sit around a ginormous auditorium table and let's talk about all getting together and making a federation. So without social media, without telegraphs, without television, women from all over the country rode trains, rode horse and buggy carriages. Over 2,000 women came to New York City and formed the General Federation of Women's Clubs in 1890. So we are the oldest and one of the largest volunteer women's organizations in the country. And you're telling me some really interesting things that they've done that I had no idea. Well, my favorite is that we're credited by the American Library Association with starting 75% of all the libraries in the country. Wow. Literacy has always been one of our biggest projects. And between starting lending libraries that traveled and small brick-and-mortar libraries. We, we are now credited by the American Library Association with that. Uh, a club woman came up with the idea of putting a white line down the middle of highways. Uh, we were instrumental in getting the first Safe Food and Drug Act, the first child labor laws passed. The GFWC was one of two women's organizations who was involved in the formation of the United Nations. We are also one of the titular organizations that got the National Park Service started. Unbelievable. We raised wow. we raised enough money during World War II to buy 300, I'm not sure about the 356, I think, 356 bombers, which is, if you look at it in today's uh, prices, would be multi, multi-millions of dollars. Wow. And we did that by selling bonds and outright donations. And we even had a plane or two or three with General Federation of Women's Clubs taped on the side. After 9-11, to bring it a little bit more into today, um, within three to four weeks after 9-11 took place, club women all over the country raised enough money to give New York City a brand new, state-of-the-art, fully equipped ambulance. So 10 years ago, um, you have fourth generation yes. club members. Okay, but 10 years ago, you decided, hey, let's start one right here in the area. Yeah, I didn't know anybody when I moved here, and I said, well... I travel a lot. I work away from home a lot of times, and I didn't have little kids anymore, so I didn't have that way to meet women. And I just put an article in the paper saying, hey, if you're interested in volunteering, come to the Spring Hill Library on this date, and let's talk. And we've taken off and done beautifully since then. How many members do you have? We have about 27. Okay, and you're always looking for more? Always, I'm always. Melanie, 
Tell us how you got involved with this organization. Um, well, so I start. It started. Um, I was a member of the Spring Hill Little League Board um, under Casey Williams, um, and that's when I started meeting other people. Um, I came across their information and had attended a meeting, um, and they kind of went over all of the different things that they did, and I knew that that's something I wanted to do, and it it wasn't just focused on one area. It was multiple areas in the community, and um, I just wanted to participate and be a part of it, so I joined, and I have been a part of it since, I think, a little over four years now. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And tell us what you all do locally. Uh, I know you guys are out there every day helping, you know, kind of the unsung heroes. Who, who do you help? Um, gosh, what, what, what don't we do? <laughs> well, I mean, we have um, an annual tree giveaway where we give away 2,000 uh, tree seedlings every year around um, Arbor Day. We adopt brand new school teachers and provide their them some funds to be able to um, decorate and equip their classroom because you know, a lot of times these teachers are coming out of college in debt, and it's not an easy task to go out and buy the things that they need to kind of shush up their, you know, classroom a little sure. tiny bit. And they get very few funds from the school system to do that. Um, so that helps them um, do things like that. We uh, support local domestic violence shelters. We work with the uh, veterans. Uh, about two years ago, we baked tons of cookies, and we signed um, – numerous thank you notes and took cookies and baked goods to the veterans organizations in Williamson and, and uh, Murray County. And I'll never forget the guy in Columbia just sobbing because he said, people just don't show us appreciation very often. Veterans Day is when people reach out. And we, you know, so we do that. Um, help me think about it. I mean, we just we do so much stuff. Adopt some of the families from the local shelters for Christmas. Um, support the well. We support the well. We've donated food um we just purchased two uh toilets for them um <laughs> they're brand new they're brand new brand new uh, building brand new. That i, I bet you they were a little flushed when that those well two actually toilets came we in. didn't purchase them we worked <laughs> no we worked with the home depot and the home depot actually okay. graciously donated those okay. toilets but i don't know that they would have known about the need if we hadn't gone to them and written a letter saying could you please help us and so we, they ended up giving us the toilets, but I don't know that they would have gotten the toilets donated had, had somebody not reached out to them. Okay. And I know you all have a really big event coming up, but before we get to that, it's all about uh, domestic violence. And I know you're telling me the unbelievable numbers, uh, what's coming out of this area. And uh, can you kind of tell our audience what you know about domestic violence as far as the statistics are concerned in our area. I wish I'd thought to find the most recent uh, statistics. I should have done it before I came here. I can tell you that up until about four years ago, Murray County had one of the highest rates of reported domestic violence per capita in the state. So they were neck and neck with uh, the Memphis area. There, That's come down a lot because of the support of people who um, support Center of Hope in Murray County, and of course, also those people who support the uh, Bridges Domestic Shelter in Williamson County. But without the support of the community, because they are both nonprofit entities, they would not be able to provide the advocacy and the counseling and the safe shelter that they do. Because those those are the three things that domestic violence organizations provide. They 
they get the victims and their families out of the house and get them into protected housing. They go to court with them, and they have advocates that go to court with these families and stand up for them, and they also provide uh, counseling not only to the victim but to their children. And it's critical. I mean, you know, they, they need all the support they can get. And so it's, it's through non-governmental support and donations from the community that they're, that they're able to provide those services. And so what little bit that we can do t- to help them in their work is, is very gratifying. And then coming up is the sixth annual Amethyst Affair. And Melanie, you're telling me this one is a, real close to your heart, this event. It is. Um, and not too many people, well, some of the ladies at the, with the GFWC know. Um, but I grew up in a home that um, was riddled with domestic violence. Um, and being a child and going through that and knowing what it's like, um, it when I found out that that was one of their big fundraisers they do every year, I definitely wanted to be a part of it. Um, because the things that, that we do are great in the community. And when you think of paying $50 for a ticket and going out and, and enjoying a, a great meal and a wonderful silent auction with wonderful items and um, just being able to be with other people, you're also giving back to those that are less fortunate that are trying to get out of a dire situation. Um, it means a lot to them. Uh, so for me, I like to be a big part of this one because I know I know what it's like. So it's important that we help those that that need it. And this is your number six. Yes. So what's on the agenda for number six? Well, we change the theme out a little bit every year. And so this year our theme is boots and bling and a little bit of bourbon on the side. Um, but it's uh, going to be kind of a cowboy casual with lots of bling. And uh, so we're going to have... Uh, a professional dance instructor come and teach people a little bit about line dancing. And we've got a professional DJ that's going to come and um, spin the the discs and uh, do that. We're going to have, um, we always have at least one speaker, and we have an incredible speaker coming. Uh, Barbara Scales is um, um, a lady that we heard at our GFWC of Tennessee convention about two years ago, and she was heavily involved in, starting an on-campus program at MTSU that had to do with a, a form of domestic violence, which is date violence and and uh, bullying and that kind of thing. And she is a jaw-droppingly good speaker, and I really highly encourage people to come just to hear what she has to say. And then we, um, you know, we have the representatives of the two shelters come and give us the t- their annual statistics and how, you know, that we've been able to help them because we've given them over $25,000 through the past five years. And for a small organization, that's pretty. That's pretty good. That's and um, a live auction, silent auction. We've got um, things coming in in the door all the time, but we're always looking for more. We have some incredibly different live auction things coming up this year. Um, we have a country music star and actor who is who has donated um, a video and a personalized song. To the highest bidder, J.T. Hodges. He um, has had a couple of number one hits, and he's also been in a couple of Lifetime Christmas music, um, Christmas movies lately. And he's um, a very nice gentleman. And so he's donated that, which I think is kind of cool because how many people could have somebody famous say, 
hey, Joe and Barbara Smith, it's your anniversary. Here's a little song I'm putting together for you, you know, that kind of thing. So we're auctioning that. Um, we have a trip to the Kentucky Castle that's in the bourbon country outside of Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and it's a incredible, incredible place. It literally is a castle. And it's like three days, two nights. Uh, you have your choice of two out of five of the excursions that they offer. They're uh, like a Michelin star rated restaurant. I mean, it's all sorts of fun things. And we're trying to combine that with like maybe a trip on the bourbon train that they have. And um, we've reached out to a couple other people to see if they can throw some stuff together to kind of sweeten that pot. Uh, we've got a stay at um, a cabin in Gatlinburg. We have a stay at a beautiful lake uh, lake house in Winchester. And uh, that's just what we've accumulated so far just on the live auctions. So. And this is February 8th. What time and where? Uh, six o'clock at the UAW ballroom. And, um, and that's in Spring Hill. It is. Um, probably goes on until 1030 or 11 or when the DJ is tired of uh, pushing the button to play the next song. I think I know the DJ. He never, he never gets tired. The DJ is Chris Yao, and he's a wonderful uh, DJ, and he's also uh, part of the Advertiser News. But And, and he, our show as well. Yeah, oh, awesome. Well, he um, um, he donates his time to do this, and so that's a, a huge blessing. And we have a, a, a company, uh, Perfect Party Picks, who donates their photo booth every year, so we'll have a lot of uh, cowboy bling you know, props for that okay. and um, a full catered barbecue dinner this year and um cheesecake for dessert and we'll have we, so far we have three people lined up to do bourbon tastings and we're working on a ginormous pub, private bourbon tasting in nashville so we're we're still working on that how do they get tickets it's easy you just go to www.amethystaffair.com and that links you right over into our eventbrite ticketing site and there's a lot of information there about the event about us why we're doing what we're doing um, and you just push the button for your $50 per person ticket. Um, all three recipients that are involved in this event have 501c3, so uh, we always tell people that if that's important to you, if you itemize, um, you can deduct a certain percentage of the ticket price as a donation. You just can't, I, from what I understand, you can't take full price because you have to take off your meal. Okay. But, you know, but for some people, that's kind of helpful to know if they itemize that kind of thing, and... Um, it, you know, where else are you going to go to get two alcoholic beverages, a full dinner, and all the fun and all the knowledge and all the competition between the auctions for $50 a night? It's a bargain. It is a bargain. And it's kind of hard to say, Amethyst Affair. Where did that name come from? Um, well, amethyst is purple, and purple is the color of a bruise, and love shouldn't hurt. We also like the alliteration. Um, we used to have the um, event in October during Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but there's a couple other fundraising social events that take place pretty close around that same month, and so we decided to move it to uh, February, and that happens to be February's birthstone, so it was just perfect. Okay, everybody, I put several links in the show notes to click on for more information about the GFWC Spring Station Woman's Club. If you want to get involved, great way to connect and the place to buy tickets to the Amethyst Affair online. So go check that out now. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Prices Highway. I'd like to thank all my guests for being on the show. And I'd like to thank you, the listening audience, for taking me with you on the road to the gym, jogging, work. 
who knows where I am, but thank you for taking me with you. I really appreciate that. And I hope you enjoy the show so much that you'll smash down on the subscribe button. That means every time a new show is released, it'll come straight to you, if that's something you want. We also have a little thing called Prices Highway, the Facebook group. Come on over and join the conversation. There's lots of engaging posts and local news updates. Hey, do you have a story idea, an event coming up? Hey, maybe even a comment for me. Do so by sending me a message at priceshighway at gmail.com. All right, Prices Highway is presented by Price Sells Homes. Don't think twice. Call Carrie Price at 615-497-3317. Carrie Price, your Williamson County real estate expert. Prices Highway is also powered by in-house digital media, helping you elevate, educate, and expand your brand. Check them out at inhousedigitalmedia.com for more information. All right, everybody, buckle up, be safe out there, and we will see you next time right here on Prices Highway, the podcast. So long, everyone. You've been listening to Prices Highway, a Steve Price totally terrible podcast production. 